The Shep Nas Podcast begins now. You're listening to the Shep Nas Podcast, a podcast at Shepherd Church. Everything we do here is help people take their next step toward Jesus. This podcast is part of that. We want to help you engage daily in your spiritual development. Now, today, we're going to finish up talking about the previous sermon this week from the book of 1 Peter. We're in our series called While in Exile. And today, we're going to talk about uh, Peter commands us or kind of reminds us of a command. The command is to be holy like God is holy. Uh, and so he reminds us that. And so today, what we're going to talk about is what does that look like? How do we do that? And why is that so important? So Pastor Rob's here. We're going to break that down starting now. Hey. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Joey, for the intro. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this is just kind of the final part of the message from Sunday um, in in First Peter chapter 1, verse uh, 15. Peter says this, uh, and remember, he's writing to the Christians who are in exile, and he says to them, and and by the way, these are just people who have just lost everything and been through a great deal of persecution, mm-hmm. and he just like lowers the boom here, yeah. really. Because what he says, he says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Yeah. So like, there's not another command in scripture, I think, that could be more difficult to hear that I be I gotta be holy. Like, yeah. and, and, be, and not just be holy, but be holy like God is holy. Right. And so the question then is what, you know, we talked last episode about what it means to be a holy, and if you mm-hmm. didn't catch it, basically, to be holy is is to be set apart um, or separated for a special or a unique purpose. And in this context, it's for for the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. And so the question is, well, how do I become holy? If God's commanding me to be holy, how do I become holy? And mm-hmm. the the way that I would answer the question to begin with is to say that um, it's it's not an instant. Thing. It's a it's a process, yeah. um, and for me, my my understanding of it is that the the process has a beginning, mm-hmm. so that's the the starting point. But it is a process. Like I don't I don't think that I've ever talked to anybody who's ever been on this journey of trying to live a holy life. Um, said that God zapped them and they they had it yeah. and, and they got it right. I mean, people go to the altar, they pray. And things happen, yeah. but you don't. You know, you don't walk out holy and you're done. Um, it's it's a process and it begins. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. There's this great um, interview with Billy Graham at one point, and it was a famous person who was interviewing him, and he would interview lots of people. And that's the end of the interview. He asked Billy Graham, "You know, there's a ladder right here, and at the top of the ladder is God. Where do you think you are?" And Billy Graham knew that he had also interviewed Mother Teresa. And he said, I want to know what, what, what Mother Teresa said. Well, she put herself on the bottom rung. And he said, well, I'm on the floor. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's good. That's good. Because like you said, there's a process to it. And it's not that it's, it's not this instantaneous. Maybe, maybe we'll talk about kind of some of the misnomers about holiness. Mm-hmm. But it's, it doesn't mean that... Like you said, you're zapped and suddenly yeah. live in a perfect perfect life with no mistakes and you are just yeah. this above all person. Yeah. So there's a process of growth. It's like um, Peter said it we talked about it last week, was like you're refined in a fire, right? Yeah. This this old stuff is melting off of you. Yeah. And it's not easy. Yep. It's a process of growth process. So Yeah. Well, you, you talk about 
I think holy, holiness, the word holy or holiness has some mi- misnomers and yeah. it has some baggage with it. Absolutely. And in this culture, it's mostly bad baggage yeah. because what people think is like, oh, you're, they kind holier of holier than, than thou, like <laughs> yeah. you're better than me or whatever. Yeah. And, and this, and what Peter's talking about is not trying to make us better than anybody else. No. We're not. And like Billy Graham, who is an unbelievable guy, <laughs> right. would say, in, on the ladder of holiness, I'm on the ground. <laughs> yeah. You know, we we are there with him if, well, and under him yeah. probably because it's not it's not about yeah it's not about being better than other people. It's about allowing God to do the work yeah. in you that He wants to do to make you who He wants you to be. Yeah. And Jesus set some high expectations in the Sermon on the Mount. He said in Matthew five forty eight, He said, "Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect." And this this word is not the same word as holy as God is holy, but mm-hmm. there. There's some high standards that God right. has for us, right? So, the way that I understand this the best is that, uh, and, and kind of let me explain. It, this will be um, some uh, uh, what do you call it? Theology, practical theology, not theology, but um, the process theology. I'll come up with a word later. Anyway, systematic theology. Systematic yeah. theology. Okay. So, so kind of <laughs> here's how here's how it works, and, and this is how it makes sense in my mind is that. That when a person comes to know Jesus, um, they ha- it's be- they have a we have a sin problem. We mm-hmm. have sin is in our life. It it separates us from God. In fact, Isaiah fifty nine two says, uh, "But there is a problem. Your sins have cut you off from God, and because of your sin, He's turned away from you, and we're not listening anymore." So we we know that if we have sin in our life, mm-hmm. that it affects our relationship with God and breaks our fellowship. And so Jesus came to die to pay the penalty for our sins. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty. And if we put our hope and faith in what Jesus did on the cross for us, then our sins can be forgiven and our relationship with God can be restored the way it was intended in the very beginning. So we we come to him and we have this relationship, right? And when we get saved for uh, or we experience salvation, that's a work that God does that saves us from our acts of sin. And I, mm-hmm. acts is A-C-T-S, those things that I've done that I know I shouldn't have done. Right. They're forgiven. I have a relationship with God. If I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Right. The eternal consequences. Yes, mm-hmm. correct. And Jesus paid for all those. Um, and, and so then what happens is I, I live my life, um, and um, as I'm living this new Christian life, I probably start to struggle somewhere along the way Mm -hmm. thinking I can't do this by myself. Mm -hmm. Like I can't be the person that God wants me to be. My sins are forgiven. I'm on my way to heaven, but I'm struggling. And Paul in Romans chapter seven wrote something about very similar. He says, I I need something more for I I know the law, but I still can't keep it. And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. And another (laughs) way that he says it is this, but I, I can't help myself because it is sin inside me that makes me do these evil things. And so what, what Paul is saying is that as he was living his life, he realized that he had the desire to do the right things, but he couldn't carry it out. Mm-hmm. And, and there are things that he knew he shouldn't do that he didn't want to do, but he ended up doing them. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, the, in the Romans, there's this funny verse. It's like, I know what I ought to do, but I don't do it. And I know what I shouldn't do, or I know what I should do, but I can't do it. And I just like, I want to, I can't figure it out, Right. But in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17, there's this passage of Scripture that, that Paul wrote again. It says, Say, So I advise you to live according to your new life in the Holy Spirit. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So he's talking about a sinful nature. And he says, The old sinful nature loves to do evil, which is just the opposite from what the Holy Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite from what the sinful nature desires. These two forces 
uh, are constantly fighting each other, and you and your choices are never free from this conflict. Mm-hmm. So, so Paul gives his life to Jesus. He met him on the road to Damascus. He gets saved, and Paul, who's doing these missionary journeys, planting churches, says, "I know what I should be doing, but I I don't have the ability to do it for some reason. I just don't do what I know I should do." Mm-hmm. I, and I'm sure everybody listening could say raise their hand and say, preach, brother. I I hear you. I know there are things that I should be doing that I can't do and things that I shouldn't be doing, and I end up doing them. Yeah. And what Paul talks about is his sinful nature. And so a sinful nature is something that every single person has, and we inherited it from Adam and Eve. Mm -hmm. It just became a nature. Like, Like, you know, you inherit certain things from your parents. Like, I got the gene that made me tall, skinny, and have lots of hair, right? I did not get that gene. But but you inherit these things. What we inherited from Adam and Eve is a sinful nature. Mm-hmm. And what it is, it's a propensity to live for myself. Yeah, selfishness. Yeah, it's like yeah. this desire that I, it's like, I want to put myself first mm-hmm. and not God. So when you come to know Jesus, then Jesus is like in your heart, and he's like, I want you to put me first. But then you got your sinful nature, and there's like, nah, you got to put, me, put yourself first. Mm-hmm. So what Paul literally is painting this picture of is, maybe you've seen it in the cartoons or whatever, where you have a good angel on one shoulder and a bad angel on the <laughs> other. It's kind of like you have the Holy Spirit who says, this is how I want you to live. And mm-hmm. then you have your sinful nature says, no, nah, that's no fun. Don't do that. Yeah. And you have this, this, this fight going on on the inside of you. And this is what, so this is why Paul says, like, I know what I should do, but I, I don't find myself doing it all the time. And if that's where we are, then then what we we find is that that sanctification, which is the process of becoming holy, mm-hmm. is this work that God does in us that deals with our nature of sin. So where salvation saves us from the acts of sin, sanctification is the process that God does in our life that deals with the nature of sin. Mm-hmm. So where the acts of sin are kind of like a symptom of a disease. The real disease is that I have a sinful nature, and my sinful nature makes me do things I shouldn't do. And in God's grace, we believe that God has provided a remedy to deal with our sinful nature and get mm-hmm. rid of the disease, not just have to deal with the symptoms all the time. Because that's how you find real healing, right? You get rid of the disease, not just deal with the symptoms. And so this this process of becoming holy, like we said, well, you know, the million dollar question is, how do I become holy? It's a process, mm-hmm. and, it, and it begins with this. And when it happens, there's two things that happen. It's a, it's a cleansing of our sinful nature, but then it's an empowering of the Holy Spirit. All during the season of Lent, we are reading through the Gospels as we draw closer to Easter. We invite you to join us. Download the Shep Naz mobile app from your app store or go to shepnaz.org forward slash Lent. There you will find links to scripture for each day with a few breaks along the way in case you need to catch up. So it's when the Holy Spirit comes and he takes some, he, he takes our sinful nature and he deals with it. Uh, and Paul uses terminology of crucifying it, right? In, mm-hmm. in Galatians 2.20 says, my old self, referring to his sinful nature, has been crucified with Christ and is no longer I who live. Yeah. And then he says, but Christ lives in me. So what he's saying is that I've had my sinful nature taken care of. It's right. cleansed. It's out. It's purified. And now the Holy Spirit has right. come in and filled me. In that place that I used to put that sin nature, Yeah, the Holy Spirit now sits and yeah. reigns on that throne. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like when I was a youth pastor, I used this example. It's kind of like, you know, if, if your life is like a trash can is full of trash and the trash that's in the trash can represents the sin. And you're like, you come to Jesus and you're like, I want to I, I get rid of the sin. I want to have a relationship with God. 
and you come and you confess your sins, God takes the trash can, he dumps all the sin out, and he sets you back down, and there you are. Like, you're, there's no more sin in your life. But but most trash cans... <laughs> they get refilled. It, well, they get refilled with it, or they have this this residue, oh, you know, yeah, this nasty mm-hmm. stuff that sticks mm-hmm. in there. Well, when... And that's similar to, like, our sinful nature. It's what yeah. makes us sin. It's what makes a trash can a trash can. And and so God comes with the Holy Spirit, and he cleans it all out and cleanses it, mm-hmm. right? So he cleans it. But then he fills it with him, his Holy Spirit, so that there's no room for trash in it anymore. So, so it's it's this process of cleansing from our sinful nature and empowering from the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And when Peter says, "Be holy, because I'm holy," this is the the best way for us to do that is to recognize I need to get this nature of sin dealt with, yeah. taken care of, and then have the Holy Spirit fill me. And so the next question then was like, like how do I how do I get there? Like how this we still haven't answered the question. How do we get there? We've just said this is what it is. <laughs> sure. And so the the question the answer to the question how do we get there is that I think for most people it happens after we accept Jesus. So, but let me just say that God can do anything He wants, and He doesn't have to work in our systematic theology. Sure, He can do it however He wants. But typically, it seems like mm-hmm. people who have been walking with Jesus for a while come to this point in their life, like Paul was, like I need help. I can't do this on my own. Mm-hmm. And so it comes with this, this um, crisis, right? So, so it happens after we accept Jesus. So we call it a second work because it's different than being saved. Mm-hmm. Um, but it happens when we totally surrender every part of our life yeah. to God. And it's often accompanied by a crisis. It's like, I can't do this anymore. I, it, mm-hmm. Something's got to give. Either I'm walking away or God's got to do something to me to help me figure this out. And when you get to that point and you say, you either walk away or you're like, I'm going to give it another shot. I'm going to give everything to God, mm-hmm. right? I one of the terminologies that I talked about on Sunday that I like is when a person gets saved or they experience salvation, God becomes resident. The Holy Spirit is resident in their life, mm-hmm. like He lives in you, right? And the Bible talks about that. But when a person gets sanctified or they go through this process of of, sanct- of becoming holy, the the Holy Spirit is not just resident; He's president. Because you've surrendered everything to him, and now he's in control. And so the key thing here is that I surrender everything to him, mm-hmm. and and when I surrender everything to him, like the God, the Lord's, he's going to save me and everything. But he's not going to come and give me all of him until I give him all of me. It's like a marriage relationship, right? When mm-hmm. you stand before the altar, you're saying to your spouse, "I'm giving you all of me." Isn't that a John Legend song? I give you all of me. Go ahead, sing it. I give you all of me, something like that. So anyway, got the auto tune that. <laughs> so so it's it's like this marriage, like God, I'm giving you all of me, and God in return is like, I'm give you all of me. I'm going to cleanse your sinful nature. I'm going to fill you with my Holy Spirit, and so it's this empowering, it's this cleansing, and this empowering, and it's it's this incredible thing. And mm-hmm. Paul talks about this in Romans twelve one. He says, "Here's what I want you to do: God helping you." Take your everyday, ordinary life, sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Like, put it all on the altar, give it all completely to Him, 100%. And when we do that, that's when this, this process starts. Mm-hmm. You can't say that, I'm, that I'm, I'm there, but the process has started. Yeah. So you can say, am I living a holy life? I'm, I'm in the process of becoming mm-hmm. like God, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm be- and 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 into the systematic theology piece, we we say there's another step. It's called glorification, and it's like 
when when we die or the rapture happens and we stand in front of Jesus, the Bible says we'll be like him. Yep. And that's that's the process, right? So we experience salvation. Somewhere along the way, we come, realize we can't do this on our own. I surrender everything to God. He comes in, fills me, cleanses me, mm-hmm. and empowers me. And then I become more and more like him every day. And then it... it, it um, that I be eventually experience glorification. Now, really, last thing, really important thing. The question is, why do I, why do I need to be holy? Is it important for me to be why? holy? Well, yeah. here Peter says it's commanded. Yeah, like I mean, it's it, a, it's mm-hmm. a it's an imperative. It's like this isn't an option. It's not a suggestion. Peter's like, if you're going to live in exile and you're going to live the life God wants you to live, you got to be holy, mm-hmm. right? So it commanded. And here's what's interesting. In the going all the way back to Leviticus chapter 19 verse 2 where it says be holy because I the Lord your God am holy. This 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 command is an imperfect tense which refers to an action in the past that keeps getting repeated. So what it means is that you don't you don't just give your life to God once and surrender everything and then it happens. Sure. It's a process. It keeps happening. I, I do this oftentimes when I pray. I ask the Lord to forgive me for my sins and to 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 cleanse me from my sinful nature and my sinful desires mm-hmm. and to fill me with this Holy Spirit. Some people might say, well, you only need to do that once. Well, the Bible says it's an action that happened in the past that keeps getting repeated. And every time that I, when I begin my prayer time, I'm like, I want to make sure I'm everything is good between me and the Lord, right? So I'm confessing my sins yeah. and asking him to forgive me and cleanse me of my sinful mm-hmm. nature and fill me. All the time I'm asking that. And and so the 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 goal, the job for us when it comes to this holiness is that we keep surrendering. That's my job. I keep surrendering every day. I come before the Lord. God, I just want to remind you, I'm yours. Mm-hmm. Everything I have, my relationships, my resources, my money, my time, my everything, my family is yours. Yeah. I surrender everything. And then when I keep surrendering, he keeps filling. Mm-hmm. And that's what this imperfect tense means. I, I keep doing it. So it's not like you just surrender your life one time and you're done. Yeah. It's not like getting married where you stand before them one time, right? As, as a husband, you know that you, you keep surrendering every day. Yeah. You surrender to her. You keep setting yourself apart every day. You're, you're committed to that every day. That's the way it is in our relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus. So I, I keep surrendering. He keeps filling. And when I've surrendered everything to God and set myself apart, and he's cleansed my sinful nature and filled me with his spirit, that's when I'm in the best position to honor him with my life and to be used by him to make a difference in this world. Yeah. And so I, I want to do that on a daily, regular basis. And, and so the question is, you know, are there things in my life that I need to disentangle myself from? Mm-hmm. Um, am I living more conformed to this world's values or more transformed to God's values? And have I completely set myself apart to God for his purposes in my life. Mm-hmm. And if not, what's the next step? A, a great question. You you said it in the beginning. There's a ladder, right? Yeah. There, and the, the there's the floor, and then there's God at the top. Where are you? Yeah. And and it's not that you make yourself holy. No, yeah. You surrender. <clears throat> yeah. And as you surrender, God keeps filling you. And so I would say, on the on the ladder of surrender Where are from you? zero yeah. to, to the top. Where are you? And yeah. every day you should surrender more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And the more you surrender, listen, the more you surrender, the more room there is for the Holy Spirit to work in your life. Yeah. The less surrendered you are, the less of the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit you get. The more of you there is, there's, you're taking up room for God. Yeah. 
Yep. So we got that's the, the life we have to live. And so when Peter says, uh, "Be be holy because I'm holy," it's like what he's saying is like, "Are you living a surrendered life so that the Holy Spirit can fill you?" Yeah. And what are you holding on to? You know. And so that maybe that's the question of the day. What, what are you holding on to? Is there mm-hmm. something you're holding on to? You just need to let it go. Because listen, if you give it to God, it's going to be in better hands than if you hold on to it yourself. Absolutely. So yeah. So Absolutely. that's a. That's a lot, but yeah. it's it's That's good. And like you said, it's one of the distinctive things of, mm-hmm. of our church. Yeah. It's it, we're a holiness church. We believe that there's power mm-hmm. in living a holy life. And when we get to that point, yeah. we're we're just at the beginning mm-hmm. of a place where God can begin to use us and, yeah. and mold us and shape us. So, yeah, very good. Well, that's going to wrap up our episode today, and that's our last episode on this past Sunday sermon. So if you missed one, we want you to go back and watch them, listen to them. We hope that it's an encouragement to you. We hope that you are somewhere on that journey of completely surrendering your life, consecrating it to God so that He can fill you up and that you can live in such a way that honors him. My thanks to Rob for being here. We're thankful for you for listening. If you have any questions or comments, you can get a hold of us, podcast at shepnaz.org. But until tomorrow, thanks for listening. Have a great day. This podcast is a production of the Shepherd Church of the Nazarene, Gehenna, Ohio. Email to podcast at shepnaz.org and let us know what you think.